Okay, so uh, hi, I'm Sanjeev here, and we're with Peak Human, and uh, I have Dr. Tom Stubbs from the UK, from Chronomics. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, their awesome um, biologic aging test. Is that, is that the right way to, to classify what you guys are doing, Tom? Yeah, thank you, Sanjeev, for having me on the show. And yeah, that's, that's one way to describe it. So we do epigenetic testing to, to show people how environment lifestyle is affecting their health and in particular looking at biological age. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe you could just tell me uh, a little bit about the science behind what makes, what makes your test different than anything that's out there. Because that's, when I did a little bit of a cursory search, I mean, I didn't really find anybody who's doing what you guys are doing and, and looking at aging. Yeah, absolutely. So we're all used to thinking of our DNA that we get from birth that's fixed, that we get from our, our mother and our father. And this DNA is governing over us, determining whether we're going to have maybe blue eyes or curly hair or be at risk for certain genetic diseases. Yet there are many also people on the planet who share the exact same genetic material, so identical twins. But there are many instances where one twin may develop as breast and the other won't. And the question is kind of, how does this happen? Why does this happen? And the answer is epigenetics, which is the science of how your environment and your lifestyle affects how your DNA is controlled. And what's exciting about this information is that unlike genetics that's fixed from birth, right. epigenetics is dynamic. So it's changing over time and influenced constantly by, by lifestyle factors such as sleep and stress. Okay, so and we measure this. Jumping yeah. in there a little bit. So epigenetics is basically how the genes are expressed. Is that right? That, we, that gets influenced by our environment and what we do. Yes, yeah, so epigenetics is what controls your DNA. So your DNA in every one of your cells, you have six billion letters of DNA. Right. Um, two copies of, of all your three billion letters, and that DNA is very long. So in any one of your trillions of cells, you've got two meters of DNA, and epigenetics is responsible for the, the packaging and regulation of that DNA so that you can be like, in any one cell, okay, we want to switch on that gene. Right. And that gene's tagged properly and able to be recognized by the cell and expressed. Right. So epigenetics is responsible for the control of expression. Okay. And so um, just, just a little bit more science background on that. So how does, how does the expression change? Uh, like how does, how does the genes turn off and on? Um, what exactly is happening? Yeah, so, no, great question. So, and it is a, a very complicated question, I guess, when it boils down to it. But at a very top level, you can think of your DNA as a, a piece of string. Yeah. And in the regions where that string is very open and accessible, yes. proteins can come in, bind to the string, and make RNA, so make genes express. In contrast to that, when that string is very tightly packaged, mm -hmm. it's very hard for proteins to come in and express the genes. And epigenetics is responsible for controlling whether 
bits of that DNA string in our cells is open, so active and able to be expressed, or closed and wrapped up and packaged and unable to be expressed. So whether the gene gets turned off or on is dependent on how open or closed this gene is. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we call DNA, when we're thinking about that, we call it chromatin. But yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. And then how does that relate to aging then? So are we saying aging, you know, genes get more opened or what, what exactly is happening? Yeah, great question. So with age, when we... I think one important point to, to bear in mind for the listeners is that the actual regions of our genome that code for proteins is right. only a, a very small proportion. So it's only 5% of genes. Mm-hmm. And the other 95% is involved in regulating how those genes are expressed and also functions that we are still yet to, to work out. And when we look at epigenetic aging or biological age, as you said, so not just how old you are as a function of time, but also as a function of health. Right. We see that actually regions in the genome um, change. So some regions that in the case of, for instance, DNA methylation, which is one epigenetic mark, okay. some regions gain methylation, and methylation is normally associated with uh, repression of transcription, so gene silencing, and other regions lose methylation, which is more associated with gains in expression. So we find that there's both processes going on, um, but with age, it seems like um, any one cell becomes a bit more dysregulated, if you like, so a bit more messy. So, um, and so now maybe just take us a little bit about how you guys are measuring aging, because it's obvious. I guess it's related to this to this, this uh, opening, closing of specific, specific areas. Is that what you're saying? So, so we, we measure aging using uh, epigenetics, and in particular, a specific epigenetic mark that's found on your DNA in all of your cells okay. called DNA methylation. Okay. And this mark is the reason that we're able to be, exist as multicellular organisms. So where we can start from one cell and have all these wonderful different cell types that make us up as humans. And without this mark, we'd still be a a single-celled blob, if you like. Um, And what we do is we measure millions of these DNA methylation positions on the DNA, and using this information combined with machine learning, we're then able to determine a biological age for, for any one person who's taken our test. So the, um, the, the, these spots, these million spots that you're looking at, you said, right, uh, they're validated. Like you guys somehow figured out that these do correspond to aging. These areas with DNA methylation is happening, they are, they are validated that they correspond to. Yeah, absolutely. So there's one, there's one thing that's really interesting, I think, which is that this aging phenomenon right. in terms of epigenetics mm-hmm. um, from the research we and others have done doesn't seem to be focused on specific bits of your DNA, but rather throughout your DNA, there are epigenetic changes that are associated with age and aging. um, And that's what we're able to measure. And what's interesting about these measures is that they've also been shown to be affected by environment and lifestyle, which is the reason we 
founded Conomics in the first place was that you don't just get this information about how old you are, but you can actually do stuff to try and try and affect your aging rate, if you like. Yeah, we're all aging, like you're not reversing, but you can slow it down. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. Slow down, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then do we, do we know that, that different people age at different rates? Like just generally, like is there any like uh, ethnic groups that tend to age differently or is that a, uh, apart from these environmental factors, is there like a genetic in, inbuilt like rates that people are different at? Like, you know, some people, they just look great at 40 and some people look like super old at 40. So, you know, whether or not they old smoked or not, like, is there something innate within how fast we age or is this only environmental? Yeah, yeah. No, really interesting point. So there have been some populations that have been looked at that seem to age slower than the majority of populations. So one uh, population would be Hispanics um, tend to age slower than than other people. Um, The reason for that, from a genetics perspective, is still not fully disentangled, if you like. I think you also raised a really interesting point about facial aging. Um, And there's been a couple of papers recently that have linked um, epigenetic aging from blood or from saliva with uh, skin aging. Uh, So the two are are tightly, tightly linked. Oh, they are linked. Okay. Very interesting. It It seems now that they're, yeah, there's a link there. Okay, that's interesting. Um, okay, and so, so um, how much impact can one assume to, to do, let's say if they change from, let's say, smoker, drinker, and sedentary lifestyle to somebody who doing the exact opposite, how much impact can one make on slowing down the rate of aging? Are we talking about like a 50% slowdown or 10% or what is that? How much impact can that, can that do, you think? Yeah, I think that's a... It's an interesting question. It's really hard to, to pin down for any one individual because it really depends on where that individual's at today. Um, and as you say, the if you like, the severity of the, the changes they're making. So are they subtle changes um, or, are, or how big are those changes? I think an int- another important point to note is that um, we're talking a lot, I guess, about biological age. Uh, we also have indicators looking at, for instance, smoke exposure, which was something you just mentioned there. And there you see that, you know, if you're somebody who smokes or not even smokes, but is exposed to smoke um, through kind of social activities or whatever it might be, you will have uh, a smoke exposure score. And actually, there have been a number of studies that have shown that within three months or even six months, you can already start to see that score improving if that environmental factor is changing. So you can look now using epigenetics at these specific um, chemical signatures, if you like, as well as this overarching aging uh, paradigm that we're, we're talking about. Ooh. Okay. Interesting. Um, so just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how, well, how's the you know, reaction been so far? People are taking your test and, you know, what type of benefits are they seeing and, and, What's the experience been like so far? Yeah, so I think, you know, from people who've been taking the test so far, there's been a real broad range of people. So we've had some people that are uh, really into uh, fitness and and health coaching and those sorts of things. 
Uh, and they're really excited by the actually seeing the difference that they're having on their bodies at the level of their epigenetics. We also have, um, on the other end of the spectrum, some people that are um, perhaps have some chronic diseases already and are interesting, interested in getting measures for, as you say, biological age and things of this nature to understand how best to alleviate potentially some of their symptoms or stop some flare-ups that they may have. Um, so I think different people are getting different things out of it, which is really great to see um, and is what we're kind of working towards anyway as a, a personalized um, you know, a personalized product. So each one of us is different and each one of us will be able to get different benefits out of it. Um, and I think we see that in terms of also the things that people are interested in changing in their behavior. Mm-hmm. So some people, as we spoke about before, are interested uh, from the smoke exposure example in kind of being able to see what impact quitting smoking has had on their epigenetics or on their health. Uh, other people are more interested in trying to optimize their diet. And so they're focused on trying to do, do things about that to improve their health. So I don't think there's a really a one size fits all, but it's definitely interesting to see the different ways that people are, people are working to improve their health. So I understand still, I'm sure it's still a bit of an inexact science of what is uh, contributes to aging. I mean, it's obvious that smoking does and probably drinking alcohol and, and, and lack of exercise, but you know, how much exercise is too much exercise can actually create aging if you do it or overdo it or, you know, what's the perfect diet? Is it vegan or is it keto, ketone or whatever? So do you have any sense of that? Is that understood or, is, or we're still like in a little bit of a gray zone in some of these nuances? Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting point and especially on the exercise one, for instance, how much is too much? And, you know, obviously if you're exercising too much, there are adverse effects of that, as you're saying. Um, I think there's one thing that's really exciting from both the personalization front that comes with genomics and also with epigenetics that we're talking about today is the idea that there isn't this, this one person with their idealized health status that we should be trying to optimize people to, but actually everyone has their own optimized niche, if you like. And I think that's where kind of, especially within environment and lifestyle interventions or changes there's always, you know, been this desire to try and get this one size fits all solution. Like we should all be vegan or we should all be, and that's, that's just not the case. Um, so I think there's huge potential. Um, I think there's still a long way to go, but it is exciting to see even at this point, the things that you can start to tease out as to what people should be working on or not. Awesome. And, you know, over here, I mean, there is some testing that's done that for um, telomere length and amount of short number of telomeres. How much does this correlate with that type of testing? And are these, are these different things? I mean, with value, different value, or just, they're just different ways of looking at aging that correlate extremely well or not? Yeah, so telomeres are, I guess, a way that people have been measuring aging for for a long time and this originally started from the fact that if you take a a cell in a dish and you divide it for long enough eventually it will stop dividing which is what we call the hayflick limit 
And I guess we found as scientists that this kind of limit seemed to be due to the shortening of the ends of your chromosomes, so your telomeres. And that cell culture phenomenon has now been expanded to now, okay, in an organismal context, so in, in humans, can we also use that as a measure of aging, replicative aging, if you like? So how much your cells are dividing? And I think it's important to say as well that that replicative aging correlation that you see for telomere length only applies in leukocytes, only applies in the blood. It's not in all tissues. So you couldn't do a telomere length measurement in saliva and find that that, inf- that was informative for age, for instance. Interesting. Okay. Um, in contrast, if you take these epigenetic markers, mm-hmm. this seems to be an intrinsic property of the cells. So, okay, with division cells age, and you see that epigenetically as well. But actually, even if you take cells that rarely divide, you also find that they are aging. So for instance, if you take brain cells, um, you also see that epigenetically, they are getting older. So this epigenetic phenomenon um, is both measured kind of extrinsically, so outside of a single cell, but also intrinsically within the cell, independent of replication. And what's also been shown is that this as I guess alluded to with the brain uh, stuff, is that this epigenetic predictor is accurate, independent of tissue. So you can take samples from saliva or from liver or from blood or urine or brain, and you will get similar predictions for biological age. So, and in terms of, I guess, if you were to compare the two, in terms of sort of correlations with age, in the case of, Bio, uh, epigenetic age, you're talking about correlations above 0.95, so very close to one being the kind of would be identical. Okay. And then I guess in the t- case of telomeres, you're talking more 0.6, 0.7 kind of correlation with age. Um, so much more, it's a little bit more, has better correlation. Yeah, exactly. So there's a much tighter correlation with age from epigenetics Um, and part of that is to do with the the power that you get from the number of positions you can look at so whereas with telomeres more answer it might be more accurate is what you're saying yeah exactly you've got more precise yeah you've got more positions that are changing that you can measure um you've got 5 million in our case, um, as opposed to in the case of telomere ends when you've, where you've only got the number of ends you have on, the, on your different chromosomes. That, then, that, then you might be able, because it's more precise, you might be able to see changes more, more easily than, let's say, looking at telomere length changes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so that's why your whole piece about looking at uh, the changes in methylation actually make more sense because it's more precise. Yeah, and the thing, the, you know, changes occur, are occurring in both directions, you know, and there's, I think the aging process is a very complicated process. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to assess lots of these different aging phenomenon that are kind of coming together to give this aging phenotype or aging characteristics you need to be able to look at a number of different 
positions, many, many positions in the genome and how they're changing with time to understand what's really going on. Okay. Awesome. I think that's pretty exciting. I've had my, my test is, I think, in process right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When it comes that we could just sit down for 15, 20 minutes and you could just take me through it and, and then take me, I think you have a portal, I understand, to, where I can log in and track, I guess, what changes I've made and, and then, you know, repeat the test and see what's, what's happening. Is that... Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So just to give, I guess, an overview of the process. So as you know, you get sent a, a saliva test. Um, you can then provide, provide your sample. That then gets sent back to, to our labs. We then process that to assess these millions of epigenetic positions. We then use that information to define epigenetic indicators for things like biological age and smoke exposure that we've spoken about today. And those results and that information is then provided to you on your own online platform with lots of information to help you understand what those numbers mean and what you can do about working on reducing your epigenetic age score for the coming year. So we're really keen for people not just to be able to access this information, but also to be able to make and track improvements over time as well. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it. What's the turnaround time approximately to have to get the, you do the test and, and you see the results? Yeah, so the turnaround time, we say at the moment as a conservative value around one to two months. Okay, awesome. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, no worries. I'll chat to you as soon as I get the results and hopefully we can sit down for a few more minutes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, Sanji. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.